We're so glad to say we're going to start out with a guest this morning, Linda Schlegel-Culvers on the line, state representative in the 108th District, and uh, she's been very busy throughout the pandemic monitoring this, helping. Uh, did you get a vacation? Do you guys get any kind of a break throughout all of this, Linda? Uh, no vacation for me this year. Um, just too much going on. Uh, I mean, you can take a break when we're not in Harrisburg in session. Um, some people have exercised that right, but I just, at this time, it's not the right time for at least our district, so um, I'm here. I'm working every day. Well, they say every day is a holiday if you get to work a job the way you do with uh, such a zeal and interest and passion, so uh, everybody appreciates that around here. Well, let's talk about school. We're going to be ready to get schools back, and you certainly are uh, monitoring this topic as students go back to school. What's your view on the safety of this and uh, whether or not schools should open in person? So, uh, yeah, I do think schools should open in person, but with some options. Um, I've always said that this pandemic has affected everybody quite individually. And I think parents and students need to do what they're most comfortable uh, doing. And if that is going back into the schools, um, then that's what they should do. If that is keeping them home and doing a cyber program with the school, I think that's what they should do. And some are doing a hybrid. I know that schools, um, I've been in dialogue with our superintendents for months. And they have been preparing for months, you know, with the uh, acrylic screens on every desk to making sure there's mask and there's sanitization to, um, you know, maybe the teacher moves to the classrooms and the students stay at the desk just for the safety of the student. You know, half of the students in the morning, half in the afternoon. Um, every school is different as to their approach, um, but every school has been really thoughtful. Um, They've done um, at least one or two uh, surveys back home to parents and students to get a good feel for what they're thinking and how they're feeling. But um, I've had some conversations with some ER docs and um, some other folks, and there's a major concern of the mental health of, you know, just from young children on up through senior citizens. And I think it'll be a good check uh, to get the students back in the classroom to see if there's any unmet need while they're home. And if there is, how do you make that, you know, how do you meet that need? Um, so, yeah, I think it's important to get them back or in some fashion get them learning and get them connected with other students and their teachers again. Linda, I've known you long enough and well enough to know that you'll answer this question, not politically, but straightforward. How okay. do you rate the job done by the Secretary of Health and the governor in this pandemic? Are you satisfied, dissatisfied, or what? So, I mean, what a horrible position to be in. Um, you know, the science changes every day, and that's what they're trying to base their decisions on. I obviously have not agreed um, with every decision that they have made, but I, I don't have the same information they have. I'm not in the room with them when they're making that decision. And I have called the governor's office multiple times, um, pretty much after every time he speaks, saying, did you think about this? Did you do that? Um, one of the most recent was the PIAA. Um, when they said nobody could be in the stands. And my first call was, do you understand that these children are not 18 years of age? Do you understand the risk of playing a sport? And if the parent is not there and the child gets hurt, the only thing they can do is life-saving measures till they get a hold of the parent. Um, so they said they'd never thought of that. So I think it's important to be dialoguing with as many people as you can. And as you know, our constituents aren't shy about talking to us if they see us out or calling us or texting me. Um, that's the direct connection. And I think the governor should use the legislature more, um, just sort of kind of feeling us out to see where our constituents are at. And, and you know, we're a diverse state, and I've always said that. 
Um, I think the actions that the governor took early, um, you know, looking at each county as a whole were important. I think that, you know, making sure our hospitals were well-staffed, had the capacity and the supplies to manage the disease. I don't know when we shifted, though, from making sure that we had the capacity to just numbers because there's a lot of controversy around how we're getting the numbers, how many times the person is tested and how many times that counts. Um, so we're working through that right now. I mean, I, I don't envy his position. I will never badmouth anybody holding that position, but I have not agreed with everything that he has done. Um, but I have vocalized that. Uh, I'm not shy, you know, to do that. But I've done so respectfully. I think what somehow is missing during this pandemic and all the other things going on is just a mutual respect for human beings. We don't have to agree, um, and I think we learn most when we don't agree and we can talk it through, but we seem to be, you know, on the mask team or the unmasked team, and there's no middle ground. I think we need to respect where everybody's at, and I think we need to understand that some people are more vulnerable than others, and if they're wearing the mask, respect it and stay six feet away from them. Um, so, yeah, I think we've become extremely polarized through this um, pandemic, and I think we need to take a step back take a breath and, and look at everybody individually and say, okay, we need to learn how to be mutually respectful of each other. And that goes both ways. It's an interesting comment. We talked to a history professor today that said whenever there's a protest, if you disagree with them, you'd be wise to go and to listen and hear what they say, whether it's like the conservative uh, protest or rally that was held uh, two weeks ago or uh, some of the Black Lives Matters or other rallies that are around here. You might you might accidentally learn something while you're there. You never know. And uh, decrease the polarization. Uh, uh, while we're on the subject of uh, sports and your earlier comment and high school, uh, sh- high school school sports you you're okay with safely conducted high school sports also yeah i mean these students don't get these years back um some of them have been working their whole lives towards a scholarship um you know towards playing at an upper level of sports uh, and if you ask any coach um of any sport you know they'll tell you i mean there's a conditioning that needs to happen you know your muscles have memory and and you need to keep that going i think it should be i think they should as provide these sport as safely as they can provide it following CDC guidelines um, and allow the students to make the choice whether they feel like they want to um, in conversation with the parents. But, you know, it, you know, it shows that it's good for their mental health. It's, you know, good to get out their frustrations. Um, and some people just have a love of sports, and, and that is their thing. So I think we need to make that opportunity available. I know the PIAA has done a just a crazy amount of research uh, into the science of it, speaking to physicians and infectious disease doctors, and um, they are really going into this from a thoughtful approach to try and figure out what is best for these student athletes, and I think they're going to make their decision uh, next week um, on this issue, or maybe it's this week, I think. Yeah, it'll be this yeah, week. Yeah, I think they're it's Friday. Yeah, so I know they've given uh, a lot of conversation um, with students, with uh, parents, uh, with, you know, uh, athletes from all around, I think, the Commonwealth. I know they've spoken with the governor's office and the secretary, so I'm anxious to see what they say, but um, they've come at it from a really thoughtful perspective. If there was a trigger out there that would, you know, make you want to say, maybe we've gone too far, maybe we should shut down, what would it be? Oh, I mean, the trigger, I think, should be what it always was. Um, is your hospital staffed? Do they have the capacity and do they have the equipment um, to treat the population? 
And as long as we can answer yes to that, I think we're okay. I think if we follow CDC guidelines, um, everybody then has to make the individual choice. Do I feel safe going out? You know, should I go out? But I think we should follow CDC guidelines, and I have not talked to anybody who hasn't said that. And when you talk to our restaurant owners who are struggling terrible right now, um, they have said, I mean, if they have outdoor seating, that is clearly the most popular at this point. Um, a lot of people are not comfortable going into an inside event at this point. Um, but that's a choice. But I, I think we should allow, and I said this from the very beginning to the governor's office, I said, why are you, instead of picking and choosing who can open and who can't, set a standard. Here is the standard, and if you can meet the standard and it's safe, you can open. And then people get to make the choice if it's safe enough for them. Uh, and one other follow-up question on that. Um, well, maybe it's not exactly on that, but with the kids playing football and, and sports and the, the concern over whether or not these are triggering events, uh, what, I, what I really was curious about is do you see anywhere anything there that would cause you to want to shut it down or, or back the kids out of school? Would it still be you know, a 10% increase or a 20% increase? And the same thing with restaurants. What's magic about 25% and they're not going to be able to sustain that when the weather gets cold? What about 50%? Right. I mean, if you would naturally tell them every table has to be at least six feet apart, um, a lot of them have put screens between tables. They've moved them six feet apart, uh, and they wouldn't be at full capacity, but I think they, you know, restaurant owners can't afford to have themselves. They're, they're workers, and, and they don't want the reputation that they made their customers sick. <laughs> so they're taking every precaution that they can take. I think if you set a standard and, and they can meet it, they'll meet it. Um, and I think we need to allow people to operate to their comfort level. All right, some other topics briefly here. The mail-in uh, voting system in Pennsylvania seemed to work fairly well in the primary, although I, what we were counting ballots in Philadelphia late into the week and maybe the following week. But other than that, uh, any uh, concerns that you have for mailing mail-in voting in Pennsylvania as we head towards the general election? Yeah, I mean, we're supposed to go back and make some changes to it based upon what we've heard from, you know, the mail service and our voter registration offices. And it's just too tight uh, for them. They need a larger window when mailing out the ballots and getting them back uh, and the ability to get a receipt out to the individuals so that they know their vote counted. Um, there's been talk about, you know, clocking in or putting a um, date on them when they get them at voter registration. Uh, making sure they're postmarked. I mean, voter registration gave us a lot of great feedback on things that should be tweaked and changed, and we're working with the Senate and the governor's office now, um, hoping to come to an agreement so that we can uh, do that before the uh, general election. Do you agree with the president that mail-in voting leads to fraud? We we didn't experience that in Pennsylvania, uh, but uh, do you, can you offer assurances, I guess? I mean, there is definitely some concern, I mean, on everybody's part, and um, I mean, I still always encourage people, if you can get out to vote, exercise that right. Um, get out there and vote. It's important. Um, we as Americans seem to take that for granted. And I just want to say today is the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage, um, the 19th Amendment. It was ratified on this day 100 years ago. And people seem to forget it took women 100 years before that to work on getting that right to vote. And, you know, women protested, women marched, women spoke on street corners. 
They had conventions. They were thrown in jail. They went to court, um, all in the name of women getting that right to vote. So today's a really important day uh, when we're talking about voting. So I just wanted to hit on that quickly uh, while we're on that topic. But um, I think there's concerns. There's always concerns when you're voting. And, and if somebody wants to cheat the system, uh, you know that. They're going to try to do it. And we just need to make sure that people have confidence in the uh, way that they vote and that we can guarantee that there's integrity in the way that they vote. So I know the biggest issue we're having right now is people are getting from multiple um, nonprofits, um, you know, you need to do your mail-in ballot and people are concerned and they're confused. Uh, what we've been telling them is go to your voter registration office or we're giving them the website they can do, go to to register directly uh, with the Department of State or uh, the Office of Voter Registration. But some people are getting six and seven pieces of mail to do the mail-in ballot and that's causing some alarm to them. I mean, we know that through the primary, some people got six mail-in ballots. Um, some people's husbands who have been passed or spouses have been passed got mail-in ballots. So there is some concern, and uh, we want to make sure that we can make sure that it's, there's integrity when you're voting. But in Pennsylvania, you have to request a mail-in ballot, right? They're not just going to be automatically sent to everybody. Correct, yes. Okay, so I can understand that system can work because it's not entirely different from absentee ballots, which are tried and true for, what, the past century. So, yeah, and I think we thought it would be similar, so we thought that would work. But what about what about the unrestricted balloting that or mail-out of ballots that's taking place in some states? Uh, if that was proposed in Pennsylvania, would you support that? No. I mean, that's concerning. Um, and I think we assume that we know what people want. I think people need to get to, should be able to make that choice. I want to do mail-in balloting. I don't want to do mail-in balloting. Um, I want to show up at the polls or I don't. I mean, I think they should be able to make that choice for themselves. I don't think we should make an assumption as to what they want. Well, now they're allowing extra days for the mail-in ballots. No, and I, I would think the difficulty is that is finding poll workers. I mean, they have a hard enough time getting poll workers for the day of voting. Um, it's a long day of dedication for all of those workers who don't make a lot of money doing it. Um, I, I would think the concern would be from the registration offices or the election offices is we won't be able to staff it for a few days. Can we switch directions for one minute? And then I'll turn it back to Mark. We've asked sure. uh, Senator Gordner this question. I'd like to ask it of you as well. How have your constituents fared with our unemployment system? You have many people that are still waiting to see benefits after all this time? We do. Uh, we have some that haven't seen a penny um, for both PUA and um, unemployment and we are still working with them. As of this week, we have helped over a thousand of our constituents with unemployment and PUA, and I'm still getting calls daily. I haven't received anything. Um, people don't want to be a burden. People don't like asking for help, so they keep thinking it'll happen, and it's not. Um, the system was completely overwhelmed, understaffed. There was problems with um, the computer system. It was old and antiquated, and they were getting ready to go to a new one. Um, so they have been struggling to still keep up. And, you know, some of the issue is, you know, when you've never applied for unemployment, you don't exactly know what you're doing. And if you, you know, check a wrong box or you input something different than they have it in the system, like your name, you know, you don't use your middle name and that's what they have, um, it can hold it up. So it's not an easy process as a whole. Um, but this just, it was overwhelming for them, and uh, we are still working um, with a lot of constituents trying to get them what they need. Well, the $600 that the President or the Congress authorized, 
if they haven't gotten any benefits to this point, do they just not get that, or do they get the $600 even though the program has ended because they applied when it was in force? I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, I can find out, uh, but I don't know the answer to that one. All right. Well, I, I, Joe's one of your constituents, so you can answer one of his questions in the conventional fashion. Uh, how about she pending, always does, Mark. How about pending legislation? Uh, there's a constitutional change that's uh, pending that would uh, uh, sort of uh, devolve the governor's role during emergency powers or maybe just the duration of those emergency powers. Your view on that, I guess it would have to go through a couple of years of legislature. So it passed once through the House and the Senate, and it has to pass in two consecutive sessions. So our new session technically starts December 1st. Uh, I assume it'll be one of the first items of legislation that we do, and if we do it soon enough, um, I think it has to be three months of advertising um, before the primary. We'll get it out there before the primary. And this isn't against the current governor. Um, this is a basically we found that it's an issue with checks and balances and it's in response to what our constituents are asking us for um, and it gives you know the public a little bit more choice so are you aware of what the two amendments are there's actually three but are you aware of what they are uh, I only recall talking about the one that is a specific referendum for uh, after X amount of time the governor wouldn't be able to do the constitutional uh, or, or the emergency power without legislative approval so it would allow a governor um, to do an emergency declaration and if they want to renew it uh, after 15 days, they have to get the approval of the legislature, both the House and the Senate. Uh, and, and when they pass the current laws that they're working off of, that probably would have been problematic because we weren't able to vote remotely. Uh, but now that's not problematic because we can pretty much address it immediately. Um, so it's not problematic. The second thing uh, that it does is if the legislature decides that we need to rescind an emergency declaration, uh, it gives us the authority to do so without the signature of the governor, which is how we actually think that it is, but the courts disagreed with us, um, and the governor ended up vetoing that. And the third element, I think you just talked about, too. It, the third element was it just has actually nothing to do with governor's powers. It's a non-discrimination clause, and it brings Pennsylvania's Constitution up to um, where the U.S. Constitution is. Um, I'm not sure how that got thrown on there. It was over in the Senate, so I wasn't privy to that conversation, but it came over to us that way. So that's the third piece. Okay, and then another piece of legislation involves helping families that are incurring increased costs for education, whether I believe it's whether it's high school or, or uh, secondary or primary school or uh, college, $1,000, uh, up to $1,000 per family. Explain that law idea, that bill. So we haven't caucused that one yet, um, so I, I don't have a lot of detail on it. I think it was a way to help families that want to continue to educate their children or want to do so in uh, another manner. Um, so it gives them that freedom to be able to do that. And again, it gives families a choice, um, and I think that's what's important. Can we switch back a minute to the unemployment compensation issue? The president uh, and the executive order authorized, I think, $400 a month, but the states are supposed to contribute 100 bucks of that, and the governor said Pennsylvania can't afford that $100. Do you agree with that? Uh, he is probably correct. Yeah, we are looking at, we believe, um, but we're still collecting, you know, because we, we extended our collection times. Um, we will know better in August, late August, early September where we're at. 
but we are anticipating approximately a $5 billion budget hole. And I said that with a B billion. Um, so it's very concerning. Uh, we're hoping that's not as bad as it looks, but that's sort of the worst case scenario. Um, there have been figures that show it a little less. Um, so he is probably correct at this point. It's, it's, it would be a burden for us. Any estimate on how you might try to close that gap? Um, we are looking at different things right now. Um, no, nothing specific because I think we're trying to see um, what is our collections from our taxes and will there be any money, any more money coming down from the federal government um, to help the state uh, with budgets and with programming or wherever it goes. So we, we don't have a good feel. I mean, there's areas that we're looking at, um, but you know, it's always difficult to cut an existing program because it does have impacts on individuals and that's difficult. So I think we're, we're hoping that the federal government comes through with some funding for us and um, that our collections come in. I know we had record um, car sales, uh, cars and truck and motorcycle sales in June and July. Um, I don't know what August looks like, so we're hoping that the economy keeps turning around. Uh, that will help us with our budget. Uh, anything important you would like to add or to tell us while you have the open mic, uh, maybe repeat something you've had to tell m uh, multiple constituents, anything else on your mind today? So I, I think it's important to know that, you know, our restaurants are really struggling and supporting them is really important right now. And we're going back to do a package of bills to hopefully give our bars, restaurants, and clubs some relief. Um, but it, I think struggling and probably the least recognized right now are our fire and EMS workers. Um, you know, their bars have essentially been shut down or down to 25%. Um, and that money goes towards, you know, apparatus, keeping their building operating, equipment for our firefighters and our EMS. They haven't been able to have any of their fairs, their festivals, their parades, um, not their large dinners, a lot of takeout dinners. Um, but that's kind of nickel and diming it. That's not covering the bills. That's not covering the necessary equipment to keep them safe. So if anybody finds that they have some extra money that they would like to donate to any of our fire companies, it would be extremely welcomed at this time. And we're working on a couple of things locally and both at the state level. But it seems when there's money that comes through, oftentimes they are left off the list. So we're trying to rectify that now, but just bear in mind that, you know, they're still in need in all of our clubs, all our veterans clubs, uh, you know, the Mooses, the Eagles, uh, all in desperate need right now. So just remember to support them because they've always been in great support of our communities. All right, well, thank you thank so you, much Linda. for the information. Thanks for your help. Keep us informed. You have an open mic here anytime. And, uh, boy, as, as some of these elements of legislation go through, keep us keep us up to date on them. We'd appreciate that. Thank you so much, Linda Schlegel-Culver. Thanks, Linda. Thank you. Have a great day. You appreciate too. That. 108th District uh, State House member, Linda Schlegel-Culver, based in Sunbury, has a couple offices around here serving parts of Northumberland and Snyder County, and uh, very active monitoring this, and no time for a vacation. I was a little bit surprised to hear that. You know, often you don't hear from the legislators uh, for a couple weeks because they're busy doing doing real work, and uh, you think maybe they get a day off. But well, uh, and She pointed out something so. very important histor historically today is the anniversary of women having 100 years of the vote. How about that? I'll bet if this were 120 years ago, she'd be a suffragette. It would be politically <laughs> incorrect today, but do you remember the old Virginia Slims commercial, You've Come a Long Way, Baby? Oh, sure. That would be politically incorrect today, but women <laughs> certainly have come a long, long way in these past 100 years.